Welcome to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Thursday, June 9th. This is Mark Schofield, one of your usual co-hosts. My typical partner in crime, Chuck Zotta, is on assignment tonight, but fear not, good listeners. We have a tremendous guest making his Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast debut to talk about his debut piece at InsideThePylon.com. That's Sean Cottrell. Sean, how are you, buddy? Doing good, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming, buddy. And first, you know, not only welcome to the podcast, welcome to Inside the Pylon, man. Yeah, thank you. It's been a it's been a great ride in the fifth, first week or so. It's uh can't believe the work you guys are doing over there. It's 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 really awesome to be, you know, behind the curtains. Well, wow, we're we're psyched to have you, man. We're um, really excited about the things we hope to roll out this next season, even here in the off season. And before we dive into the piece that you've got up on the site right now, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about your background and how you got to football football evaluation and kind of the steps that you've taken, you know, in your own background and your own history, um, and give you a chance to highlight for our readers, for our listeners, the things that you've done in your own process. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I'm. I'm relatively new to the space, at, at least publicly anyway. I mean, I, I've been doing, um, you know, I've, I've been been a closet evaluator or scout for, for years now. Um, you know, I live in Philadelphia, got two kids. Um, you know, I have a day job working at an insurance company. Um, but, you know, my, my passion has always been football. I used to, uh, when when I was first, first married and first out of college, had some free time, I used to coach Little League. Um, but once we, my wife and I had some, some young ones of our own, that kind of became a little bit of a time commitment. Um, you know, and since then I've just been kind of looking for things to do. And I just started, you know, without really thinking about it, just started following, I I always follow the draft, but I really just started, you know, since draft breakdown came around and, and made everything so simple, I started watching so much tape of, of every player and kind of what I realized is I'm doing all this, all this evaluation. Like last year I put together, you know, a 60-page uh, draft guide just for myself, um, which is kind of when I realized that I wanted to do something more with this. I've been doing this for a couple of years. So, you know, I finally just decided the kids are a little bit older. Um, we have some more free time now, so just wanted to start chasing the dream. I went to the, the scouting academy with Dan, Dan Hatman in, in my second semester there, and that's been awesome. Um, you know, kind of just wanted to, to get in and learn some new things and see, you know, see what I knew, compare myself to the, to the space. And, you know, it's been great ever since. And now I'm just looking for, to continue that at Inside the Pylon and, and, you know, move forward and keep going. It's just been a great, great ride so far. I wanted to ask you, since you brought it up, the Scouting Academy, you're now in your second semester. Obviously, that's run by Dan Hatman, who's obviously a friend of Inside the Pylon and one of our content partners. We're doing the glossary with him. How has that experience been and how has it shaped your ability to evaluate football and football players the the academy's been great it, it's um you know dan gives so much so much of his time to to the students there it's it's pretty incredible um you know not just dan but you know the, you can learn from so many other you know big names in the business lou riddick mike martz you know the list goes on um you know and and it's just such a it, it's a lot of work but it's 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 a lot of fun too and it, it, it really tests you and it's a it's a good practice. It does have a feel, you know, of like a college class where you're, you know, you're not just learning, you're, you're really putting in the work and you're really getting the practice in to make you, you know, to make you a better evaluator. And, you know, I, I didn't get through as many position modules that I, as I'd hoped to in the first semester. So came back for another one and, you know, 
really enjoying it. And actually, you know, I, I started it started in the winter, and um, you know, it's it's carried me through obviously to the summer. I can't believe you know the the season will be starting up soon. It's like they had the Super Bowl and flew right to the flew right through the off season. Had, yeah, I mean, it, it never ends. It's kind of, you know, this has become a 365-day-a-year sport. I mean, yep. the football season never ends. We're already talking about the next draft, so it keeps us busy. But let's move to the piece you've got on Inside the Pollen right now. And I can tell, as somebody that's also gone through the Scouting Academy, I can I, I can read into it a lot of what you can take from that program, and you can see it in the article You've got a piece called Understanding Perspective and Gravity in Football Evaluation. It's all it's got some great stuff in there, but what was the genesis for the piece? Like, what, When did the idea come to you to put this to paper? Sure. So I, I, I guess this is this kind of intrinsic idea that I've, you know, I've, I've, I've always had, but this an article came out, uh, I believe it was in early May, May 4th, I think, by Pete Prisco called In the Line of Fire, where he interviewed four, four current offensive linemen. Um, doing their off-season training at the Charles Bentley's uh, Line Academy, and um, you know they they were they went through a range of different questions, but one but a couple of things they they seemed to focus on was the uh, the evaluation space as it is, and they you know they talked specifically about Pro Football Focus, but they also kind of talked about evaluators from from all over the space, but not inside the NFL. And and one of the themes was there there were two two real themes, and the one was one was that you know, those outside of, you know, NFL meeting rooms can't understand what's going on because they're, you know, they don't know the specific concepts or the specific techniques used on each play or their coach to do for each, you know, specific game plan. But then secondly, um, there's a notion that if you didn't play or if you weren't directly involved in the NFL, um, you you kind of don't know what's going on anyway. And and, and that, to some extent, is, is true. Um, but, my, you know, it just kind of it just kind of got me thinking, you know, when we talk about these specific techniques in the game plan, how, like, how often are we, is that really the case? Because I can, I can sit and watch a game and I can watch, you know, five games as I'm doing, you know, in the scouting academy on every player. And you can say, you know, over the course of those five games and you're watching a zone blocking team, you can kind of get a feel for, for how well a player can, you know, get the reach or can, um, you just perform any of his assignments. So I, I think on a on a case by case basis, there may be some, you know, there may be some areas where you maybe don't know. And I think it's important to know what you don't know. But um, my my question was really how much does that does that happen? And then coincidentally, a week later, um, the Block 'Em Up podcast, which is another great uh, podcast for offensive line play and NFL coverage in general, had Sam Monson on from PFF, and they coincidentally discussed that same topic. And you know Duke Manyweather was was kind of asking Sam how does how does PFF go through their evaluations and how do they account for these scenarios where they don't fully understand the play? And what Sam said was you know they try as hard as they can, but there is a there is an inherent error rate where they're not going to know everything and they're going to have to make their best guess. But realistically, those scenarios are are pretty few and far between. And as long as you're looking at the larger sample size, you know you can you can get an accurate evaluation. And so. So that what that's what kind of drove it, um, but I'll say once I once I started thinking about that, and once I started putting my mind to the to, to the opinions of these players, it, you know I started to see the other side too. And the other side is that you can clearly see where these players 
get this idea. You know, they're they're constantly persecuted. You know, offensive line especially. Um, you know, if anything goes wrong, if any any sacks are given up, it's always the offensive line's fault, and that's just not the case. Um, so you you know you you can certainly see where they come from. Um, however, to say that um, you know nobody outside nobody outside the NFL can properly evaluate them just is kind of a um, kind of a broad sweeping statement that that may not be true. Yeah, and what I thought was really interesting about your piece, and it got me thinking a lot, was you brought up the analogy of other professions such as medicine and other fields where decisions are made and the decision makers don't have 100% of the information available to them. I mean, your day job, you're in the insurance industry. I was a former practicing litigator, and there were times when I took a case to trial and I didn't have all the information, but yet there I was in the courtroom at 9 a.m. Monday morning. And so what I really liked about that analogy was that if your process as a football evaluator, you try to find either a playbook or a scheme or something to be as informed as you can be, you can make a very educated decision. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? Yeah, yeah, and and that was that was kind of the point. And I, I think at the end of the day, as long as you as the evaluator are doing everything that you can to understand, you know, the evaluation that you're doing, to understand the scheme, to understand you know the game situations and the context around that. You know, I, I think you're doing your job and you do have some value that you can provide to the evaluation space. Now, so, that's the magic word, isn't it? Context. Like how yep. important is that in your process and what, you know, football evaluators should be taken to the table, the the context for every single play? Yeah, context is huge. It's it's um it's something that Dan Hatman, you know, at the Academy preaches constantly. You hear him on any any podcast and he's he's on, he's talking about context. Um, you know, I, I, I actually make, I, I have a list, um, that I keep, keep by my side. I don't necessarily use it so much anymore cause I can have it memorized. But when I go into any game, um, I'm thinking about certain factors, certain general factors about every game. I'm thinking about weather, um, field conditions, game situations, um, home or away, this, the, the standings, is it the end of the year, or beginning of the year, I'm trying to keep those things in my, in the back of my mind as I go through a game. You know, and then as the game flows, kind of think of the game flow in the back of your mind as you're as you're getting ready to watch the next snap, thinking about what's the score. You know, is the team um, is the is the team on offense? Are they going to be throwing the ball trying to catch up? Um, is the defensive end you're watching is he going to be rushing the passer every time because you know because they're down and they're throwing the ball, or is he, should he be expecting a run? It's all those types of things you kind of have to keep in your mind as you go through the course of the game. Um, so it's really huge, and then on top of that, there's more specific factors, you know, within within the scheme and within the, you know, the the different techniques that they're running on each on each play for each game plan. Um, you know, for instance, offensive line, you don't know in pass protection if they have a a bob concept or a, or a big on big concept where the offensive linemen are taking on the defensive linemen and the the middle linebacker, leaving you know maybe a blitzing safety or outside linebacker for the running back. So it's those types of things you kind of have to, it's huge. You can't, you can't make decisions at all without context. Now, Sean, I wanted to ask you about the idea of perspective because you talk about how, you know, an individual's perspective gets shaped by the world around them. And this goes for everyday life. In your sort of journey to this point in your football evaluation career, how has your perspective changed as you've gone through the Scouting Academy, as you've 
you know, consumed different podcasts or read different articles? How has your perspective changed? It's it's an interesting um, question. I, I I think there's two things. I think there's a there's my macro perspective and then kind of my football perspective. So from a from a macro perspective, it's kind of those life factors, right? Like um, I'll tell you, ha- having kids, it's I'm sure you know, yeah. kids really change your changes your perspective on every single thing, um, and that it does creep into you know the the evaluation space too in different in different areas. Um, but then outside of that, there's there's football factors. There's you know a, as you pay attention, as you consume different content and podcasts, you hear um, you know specifically related to the draft the draft uh, space. There's analytics guys. There's, um, you know, guys like Justice Mosqueda who are working on the, um, and, and and Matt Harmon who are working primarily around numbers and, or I mean, Matt Harmon watches a lot of, you know, they, they both watch a lot of tape as well. But, you know, they're they're building um, formulas to to evaluate the different players, and then you have guys that are just going um, straight from tape, and you have, and and it's how do you combine all that? How do you get the best? Um, the best evaluation at the end. And so learning all these different ways to bring these factors together and, and create the best overall evaluation has kind of been an eye-opener to me because I've I've kind of come into it with, you know, my perspective alone was I'd watch tape and I'd make my decisions and you know, I'd go from there. But there's so much more to learn from, from everybody else and what they bring to the table. Yeah, it's very interesting. We just had Ethan Yon, another... Um, yep. new member of Inside the Pylon. He was on the podcast um, earlier this week talking about his Sladics and the numbers analysis that he does. And as a guy that primarily works 99.9% off of tape, it's always interesting to me to hear that kind of different perspective because I know that there's definitely a huge element that, that you can use from that realm. Um, right. and it can play a huge role in one's evaluation, especially when you're talking about pure athletic positions like edge rushers and what justice does with force players. So it's always interesting to hear and, you know, read what those guys do and try to, you know, work it into, if I can, what I'm doing with quarterbacks and what you're going to be doing for us and the stuff you've done in the past. Uh, I wanted to ask you one other thing about the piece, which is kind of at the end you talk about the two-way street aspect of respect, the respect evaluators should have for players but your kind of conclusion is that look, the players should kind of respect what we're trying to do as well. Right. Yeah, I I, I think it is a two way street. I think um, you know, it, it's hard for us to as evaluators for to expect the players to respect what we're doing if we don't appreciate, you know, the the gravity of what we're doing. We, you know, evaluation um, in general is is basically passing judgment on on other players, and and you know, frankly. J- Judgment is something, at least me personally, um, you know, I, I try not to do, I always, you know, I, I, I still do it at times. You see people on the street and you think you automatically have a thought about them. It's human nature. Um, but trying not to pass judgment, judgment's a very powerful thing, um, especially for these players who have dedicated their lives to, to football and dedicated their, their lives to their craft. Um, to, to pass judgment on them prematurely is not fair. Um, just like as evaluators, we don't think it's fair to to you know to judge us prematurely and think that we don't know what we're doing, um, just because we haven't necessarily played in the NFL. But you know, so I, it it is a two way street. But I think the the power of judgment um, is something that we have to be cognizant of as we're as we're going through these evaluations. Yeah, and I think a kind of way that I kind of deal with that, at least in my head, is you know if I'm if my process gets me to a point where I'm doing everything I can to 
understand the context of a play, then if I ding a player or a quarterback for making a bad decision, then at least I've done everything I can to get all the information I can. It's yeah. not like we're just out here watching a play, moving on, and saying this guy can't play. And yeah. so I think if, you know, if the players that we're talking about, the players that we're passing judgment on, understand the work that we're putting in, as you pose it in your piece, perhaps they'll have a better appreciation for what it is that we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish. Right. And, and, and I also think that, um, you know, we have, to be, we have to be aware of our individual biases, too. I think we all have biases. Um, you know, me, me personally, one thing that I try to keep aware of as I'm going through evaluations is it, it's very easy to get tired. You know, you sit, you're staring at the computer, you're, you're watching film, you know, going through evaluations. It's I, I get tired sometimes, just like anybody else. And and when I do that, I notice that I'm, I get bored and, I, and I, I'm, I'm probably a little unfair. So I have to I have to know when, you know, when I hit that point, I got to cut it off. It's unfair for me to say that, you know, player X. Um, doesn't do this well because I'm tired and I'm bored and I don't, right. I don't feel like watching it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I want every quarterback to get drafted in the first round, so I've got to yep. fight that bias. I mean, <laughs> and overcoming biases is such a – it's an inherent part because as another thing that you really laid out well in the piece is how at the end of the day we're all humans. Either the player's trying to do this or human's trying to do a job or, you know, we're human beings trying to do our job of evaluation. And so, you know, there's going to be sort of things in our head that we have to try to – make sure our process is, is as refined as it can be to work around that. So it's in that sense, how has your process changed, your evaluation process, without you more cognizant of perhaps biases or just the fact that you might get tired at night? Yeah, uh, like I said, I try to I try to cut myself off at a, at a reasonable hour. Um, you know, it's I always want to keep keep rolling through tape, but, um, you know, I, I have to have to make sure that I'm in the right mindset when I go into it. Um, another thing, you know, there, there's, I just have personal preferences for different play types. Um, you know, I, I, when I think about receivers spe- spe- specifically, I think about Des Bryant, um, even though I'm an Eagles fan and I'm, uh, uh, he, he's, he's kind of my ideal receiver. He's, he's aggressive to the ball. He's kind of a, I'm going to win no matter what, I'm going to go up and get the ball. That's my type of receiver. That's the type of receiver that I love to watch. So when I watch guys, you know, that maybe aren't necessarily like Des Bryant have a different skill set. Maybe they're 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 really quick, better route runners, but they're they're not so great at going up and winning the the one on ones. And you know, I have to be cognizant of that. I have to I have to realize that these guys bring value to the table too. Um, and you know, having said that, just generally speaking, looking for the positives in in any player, you know, regardless of the position. I know one of the things I love about the Patriots. Is what they is, is how they evaluate players and and the value that they see in guys like Deion Lewis, you know the the rest of the league can say he can't do this, he can't do that, and he can't do this. But if he can do that one thing, and we can put him in position to do that one thing, he can be successful. So I think just trying to pay attention to that and always look for the positives, and not necessarily look for what you want to see or what you expect to see. Sean, we're just about out of time. I wanted to thank you for coming on. Where can people check you out on Twitter? Um, you, you can follow me on Twitter at Philly Draft. It's actually I'm missing the I, so it's P H L L Y Draft. Um, you know, but my name's on there, Sean Cottrell. Um, and um, you know, ho- hopefully we're rolling out a lot more content at, at Inside the Pylon, and um, you know, can't wait to to keep going. So. 
Well, Sean, we're again, we're pumped to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. Definitely give Sean a follow on Twitter. Again, it's at Philly Draft without the I. Follow Inside the Pylon at IT Pylon. Um, obviously, check out the website, insidethepylon.com. Um, Chuck and I will be back tomorrow for our Friday edition. And if it's Friday, it's Kicker Friday. But until then, thanks for listening to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast.